Happy July, Josephine. Happy July, Miss Wendy. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Um, I mean, as good as we can be. Still sheltered in place, still losing my goddamn mind. How about you? Um, I... I just started to uh, lose my patience. So, you know, we're, yep. what, five months in? and Five months in. And- <laughs> just started to lose my patience. Yeah, it's getting a little short. Definitely. <laughs> um, definitely. surprises me. I, I knew I had a lot of patience, but yeah. um, I didn't think I had this much. Yeah. It's definitely like five months in. We're coming up on half a year now. Like, whoo, we've definitely, like, hit a moment. And there's big, big, like, cultural shifts now from having been inside for so long. Like, I was talking to someone about this and that, like, looking at, like, movies or TV and seeing giant crowds, you're like, oh, like, it almost seems like a shocking thing, you know? It's like, what, what? I know. Or, or like thinking when you're watching television and, or movies, it's like, oh, we can't do that again. <laughs> we can't. I know. We're not going to be able to do that again. I know. Oh, God. Well, this is art time of the month. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Welcome to art time of the month. This is art time of July 2020. And um, we're going to break down all of the, the news items and uh, the things and the content that have come out this month. And there's been a surprising amount to discuss. Yet, sadly, Josephine has not watched anything with his parents. No, nothing. Why? Do you not like them anymore? What happened? Well, I mean, like, we just haven't had the... We haven't uh, had the time. Because I, I seem to have something scheduled in the evenings with other people. Hmm. Are you mad at them? Are you in a fight? Uh, no, Are you grounded? I mean, like- are you grounded I, like a teenager? Are you mad? I am not. I'm not uh, mad. I'm not grounded. <laughs> um, you know, thankfully we have not, you know, the, the Chip and Joanna Gaines and their like plan for the world to have like an open floor plan. We have been, resi- we've resisted that. So yeah. everyone has their own room. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you've been sectioned off in your quarter. Yeah, exactly. Like we come together for meals and it's like, it's like we're living in the space station. You know, we all are doing our own separate things. See, even but... your parents have like hit their limit. They're like, mm, not this month, kiddo. Stay in your corner. Yeah, cause, <laughs> yeah, like, there's also not really anything. Oh, you know what? No, we did watch something together. Ah, and the I... people who made me watching with parents. Go. What did you watch? I, God, I'm glad I remembered this. Um, we watched Call of the Wild with Harrison Ford. I'm sorry. Harrison Ford and animated dogs? Talk to me about it. It was actually, it was actually really good. Um, <laughs> I don't know if maybe I'm just you know I'm starved for uh, social interaction and new content, but I actually thought it was pretty good. It was a lot of fun. It has um, um, Harrison Ford. It has animated dogs. It's yep. very like it, the dogs get the like Polar Express treatment, you know, yeah. with the motion capture and all that. <laughs> um, and all like right. it's just like. I'm looking at this and I'm like, this is camp. Like this is, this is what Susan Sontag would call camp. So is, yeah. So, yeah so, so we did watch that together. Yeah. That's awesome. Good. I'm glad. 
was going to say, I'm like, I rely a lot on your parents to like keep me entertained. <laughs> I want to know what your parents are watching. Are you having them experiment with cannabis cooking? Like, I need to know. Like, not what yet. Um, we're getting there, though. Uh, okay. So it's so funny because, like, we we also um, we also like cut the cord, so we don't have traditional cable anymore. But we mm-hmm. do like Hulu. We do the Hulu uh, live streaming stuff. So now, and we also have like, I just added on like a bunch of movie channels too, just to make you know the next couple months uh, bearable for everybody. And so sometimes, like you know like my dad will be watching something on his iPad and then I'll go and see what he's watching. Mm-hmm. And it's always funny to me. I'm like, what is he watching? It's like, mm-hmm. I came out the other day and he was watching the assistant. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I was like, what is, what is he watching? They watched the old guard. And I was like, this is not a movie that I thought you would like, but it is action. <laughs> it is Charlize Theron. Yeah. So that's funny. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah so. I did. I definitely like when I cut the cord, so to speak, mm-hmm. I then enlisted like in every streaming service known to man. So I'm, espe- I'm essentially spending more money than I would have if I had just kept my damn cable, but mm-hmm. whatever. I'm committed to keeping all streaming services and not making any cuts to this for as long as we are quarantined and sheltered in place and now that i know that schools will be 100 percent online in the fall and that like i'm committed at least to probably another six months in my living room i'm like yeah I'm, you might as I'm, well make it i'm gonna commit yeah. to that i'm gonna i'm gonna hang on to those those tools because we need them for sure sure um anything else anything else going on should we just should we just dive into the list let's do it Okay, so we have some entertainment news to cover that happened this month, and then we also have uh, some some good new content that came out from Netflix to HBO and all of that. The Emmy nominations came out this month, and then, of course, we're going to talk to you about what we've been watching for comfort, <laughs> what tried and true old faithfuls have been making us feel good <laughs> to quell our anxiety and panic. Um, so... We can start by uh, saying that this first news item is not necessarily an entertainment news item, but certainly culturally relevant. We need to talk about AOC on the Congress floor and how she just decimated Congressman Yoho uh, for calling her, and I quote, a fucking bitch for no reason, just unprovoked, just because she's a woman, just because she's a woman with an opinion. You know, that happens to us. Apparently, how how dare she? <laughs> yeah. Um. So I, in she, front of the press, no doubt. Like, yep. Yeah. And she got on the Congress floor and made a real, really lengthy statement. I think it was like was it like about a ten minute statement or so? Mm-hmm. Um. That if you haven't seen it all, it's inc- it's so worth watching. Um, where she just talked about principles and how, as a woman, this is nothing new. And, uh, but, but being her parents' daughter, she was taught to not take abuse from men. And there you go. So standing up and making that example for all of America and for all of America's young girls and women, we thank you, AOC. Yeah. Thank thank you. you. Yeah. Um, that was just such a badass moment and her lipstick was flawless. Oh, and and a lot of the other um, representatives that stood up uh, after her, you yeah, know, just supporting everything. Yeah, um, Ilhan Omar, 
um, everybody. All, Everyone. All, all yeah, I know. She's just so incredible. I love, I love, I love. I, I did go to Yoho's Twitter page um, after, after the, you know, the videos started to come out of, oh, right. of um, her speech on the floor. And it was just like, <laughs> whatever was going on there, it was just like people on every post were just giving him all kinds Not of guff. Well, because initially what had happened was the incident happened. She was going to let it go. But he came to the Congress floor with some kind of bullshit way of explaining it away, saying, like, I'm a father, I'm a husband, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like that doesn't excuse what you did. And yeah. so her rebuttal to that was cool. Being a father doesn't make you a decent human being and being a husband doesn't make you a decent human being, you know, yeah. being a decent human being is your job. So, yeah. Oh God. It was just so smart and so well thought out. And then later AOC posted a photo of her notes for the speech. And she was like, you know, a lot of people have been asking me if I had written it in advance and she didn't. Mm -hmm. That was all completely like kind of off the cuff. She had taken like two pages of notes that were talking points and kind of like benchmarks throughout what she needed to say. But goddamn, she's so eloquent. She is so strong and firm in her conviction and what she needs to say. And, and the way that she articulated that just cut him so deep. It was so, so yeah. beautifully done. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's pointless because he's already going to be, um, he's already decided to retire after this term. So he's already lame duck, not going to yeah. do anything. Yeah. So because I'm retiring, I can call women fucking bitches, yeah. you know, like that's way to go out with a bang, dude. Way to just completely like <laughs> burn your legacy to the ground. If you haven't had a legacy. Be. Yeah, exactly. But like, that's what he will be remembered for now. Throughout the yeah. entire professional career, he's yeah. going to be remembered for what he did to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And that's amazing. So way to be, dude. Um, okay. So getting into entertainment news, um, our boy, Alan Menken, who mm -hmm. we have talked about quite a bit here. <laughs> Alan Menken, my theory is that he's become a very rich man for writing the same three songs several times yeah. over. Um, <laughs> Well, now. <laughs> uh, well, now. He's an EGOT. There you go. Um, but I mean. Finally. I know. No hate to him. I mean, he's from Long Island. What up, Alan? I see you. Um, so for years, he's such a decorated musician that we kind of forget that he wasn't an EGOT. I had kind of always assumed that he was, but he didn't have the Emmy. Um, so what happened was he had 11 Grammy Awards, eight Oscars, and a Tony under his belt. And, um, on July 26th, he won a daytime Emmy award for composing the song waiting in the wings, um, for a Disney channel show re called Rapunzel's Tangled Adventure. Um, and that is Mencken's first competitive Emmy win. So he had received a special Emmy award in 1990 for his contribution to like an anti-drug special. Um, of I'm course. totally of reading course. this off of, um, uh, Broadway buzz. Um, but because it wasn't a competitive Emmy, it didn't count towards an EGOT and there you go. So, um, so he said though, he said, as far as me finally reaching my official EGOT status, Howard Ashman and I actually did get an honorary Emmy back in the eighties. 
But what can I say? I'm honored, thrilled, and humbled. <laughs> that was that was a little like um I know. but that's it though like the emmys that he did have were honorary yeah. or they were like yeah. you know appointed not competitive. they weren't yeah. competitive so him winning a competitive emmy makes it fucking official and now he is in like you know the very small ranks of people who have um you know won in all four major award categories so kudos there yeah, good job. Good job, Alan. Good job, Alan. Somewhere that's green, part of your world. We appreciate you. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, there is major controversy going on with Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, Ellen is finally being outed. Um, as not a nice person. She's finally being outed, not as a lesbian. Not as a lesbian. That happened a long time ago, but... As uh, something much worse. Um, yeah, there's so been rumors about this for years, but I haven't really been yeah. following this a lot. You know more about this than I do. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's it sucks because, like, she's she's an icon, she's a trailblazer, but at the same time, like, when you do bad shit... <laughs> It, you know, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light, right? So, yeah. um, what's going on with Ellen is that there's, um, Warner Media has been invest is investigating internally, um, these complaints that have come up about a culture of fear within the show. And these are from like staffers past and present. And this has been like, uh, again, I'm speaking as a complete Hollywood outsider, but, you know, people who, I follow either their careers or their podcasts or what have you have kind of always said that like the, like Ellen is like the worst to work for. Um, and that show and which sucks because it's like her whole, um, her whole thing is like being nice and happiness and all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's made, it's kind of tainted my perception of her this entire time oh, yeah. um, since I started, you know, paying attention more. And I think it's only been, you know, it's probably even worse now that we're in a pandemic time. But, but yeah, so there's um, all these things that are coming out about um, the pro- uh, showrunners, producers, Ellen herself, how she's kind of been like, willfully blind to certain things or wanting to remain in the dark about certain handlings of stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, and but then some know, celebrities have come out very publicly, like Brad Garrett had come out and he was like, no, mm-hmm. no, this comes from the top down. Yeah. Um, and then other celebrities have confirmed it that like, no, no, it's true. Like she's, she's the bad person here. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's, you know, again, it, because the fish rot one, the fish rots from the head. Right. <laughs> And so, <laughs> is that a Guamanian saying? Because I've never heard. No, that. that's that's um. I was gonna say that's some. I think I watched that on some Italian mob movie. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry but that's totally true. I'm like, now is that a dig at your culture or mine? How are we? <laughs> I'm sorry because I'm like, I was like, uh, when you asked me that, I'm like, oh shit, I think I got that from like a mob movie. <laughs> I didn't think that's about right. It's like Tommy, the fish drops from the head. Um, but but yeah, so it's like it, it's it if if the culture is there, it's because it's something that she created, right? It's mm-hmm. it's because of what she created, and 
And like, and like part of the, one of my favorite things to watch every year is like, um, Ellen DeGeneres sending like people to go do the haunted houses in Mm. like, um, you know, in universe studios and all that. And like the staff, they always look so kind of like, I don't know what's going on. So awkward, but but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it sucks because this is kind of also, again, what your legacy is going to be. Yeah. Known it for. reminds me, it feels a little reminiscent of the Rosie O'Donnell show mm, in the mm-hmm. early 2000s, whereas Rosie was also like the queen of daytime. She was like queen of nice, you know, and cutesy and cutie patootie and all that stupid shit. Um, and then there were like rumors floating around that she was actually like really kind of rude and like hard to work for and that she was kind of a dick um though i don't believe her show was ever investigated and that was also a different time it was before me too it was before time's up it was before all of that so um she like was out and proud and had her own like daytime talk show and all that stuff so again actually no rosie o'donnell did not come out before her talk she was not out no i mean it was kind it was like known throughout hollywood forever you know but she was thinking when she was on the view yes yes but she had for the rosie o'donnell show she had several seasons of that show before like publicly announcing like, Hey guys, so let's make it official. Like I'm gay, you know? Um, and when she did finally come out, it was such a like non news item. Cause everyone already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and she came out, I think specifically when, um, I'm trying to remember like when like San Francisco had made gay marriage legal, Mm-hmm. And it was legal just in like that one city for like a minute. And so her and her partner at the time flew there overnight, got married and then came back to like record show the next day kind of thing. Um, so I think she did it as like a political stance. Um, anyway, this isn't about Rosie O'Donnell. This is about Ellen. Um, and Ellen, of course, was the pioneer of coming out on on television, et cetera, et cetera. So, so as somebody who is like an LGBT icon and pioneer, this is yeah. disappointing. It's, it is disappointing. I mean, you know, we're not, it, it's just like, you know, we are all a monolith and sometimes your heroes let you down. Um, was she a hero of mine? No, not particularly. Like I, I don't really, for no other reason than like, I just don't know really much about her other than the fact that she's like this television host. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, like this is like over the course of 3000 episodes of television over thousands, how many seasons, yeah. how many years has she been on now? Oh, I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's, I think it was what 2003. Yeah. 2003 is when it premiered. So almost 20 years ago, Damn. um, that we've been having like the Ellen show, um, Ellen's generous show. And so, you know, it's, it's all very, it's all very disappointing, but I'm glad that people are speaking out and I'm Mm -hmm. glad that people are finally saying like, you know, we're not going to take this. It's, it's, um, Hollywood's that interesting thing where you feel like, you know, you should have to, be okay with certain level of like discomfort and quite frankly, abuse in order mm-hmm. to, you know, get ahead and to keep your job and to keep your job and to pay those bills. Because again, like, you know, there's a lot of staffers that work on the shows and we've talked about that at length. So, you know, yeah. there's people who, 
there's people who like I and it's such a get too. like Ellen is such an institution that like to work on that show yeah. is like a gateway thing to potentially working anywhere else. Yeah, um, definitely. I mean, I, I hope that this invokes some kind of systemic change if it doesn't shut her show down completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would, I want, like, I want to believe that, like, she is a good person and that, like, maybe, like, she was just choosing to be in the dark on all of this. But, like, it doesn't sound like that's the case. And if that, no. you know, is the case, then I'm glad that this is being investigated and looked into. And, you know, hopefully this is the catalyst for some some major changes as to how things are, yeah. are done and what people are allowed to get away with, you know, yeah. in terms of, you know, just basic human dignity and kindness and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of, let's talk about, this is something that I feel like I've had my eye on for a while and we touched a little bit on this, I think maybe in a separate episode that we talked about, um, which will be coming out later this month. Um, and we touched a little bit on this last month too, where we talked about really saving space for conversation around black art. Um, so later this month, we are going to be releasing a black art matters episode, um, and just really, uh, amplifying melanated voices within art and, um, and literature and black culture and all of that. And so we wanted to like really save space for that conversation. I think in that episode, we touched a little bit on this lady antebellum piece. Um, cause we talked a little bit about like, you know, when, when the chicks changed their name from the Dixie chicks to the chicks, uh, lady antebellum decided to shorten their name to lady a, this is real fucking problematic because there is a black blues artist by the name of lady a who has been performing professionally for 20 years. So she's a Seattle blues singer, um, Lady A, and she's been using this name for 20 years. And all of a sudden here comes this country group that decides to change their name to Lady A. And they essentially completely wiped off uh, like any searchability for, for the real Lady A's uh, music and history and career. So like if you search Lady A, you won't find um, the original Lady A, um, whose real name I'm looking for in this so that I can, her real name is Anita White. Um, but she goes by Lady A and she's a 61 year old black woman who has been playing blues under that name for more than 20 years. She began in gospel and, and so on and so forth. Um, so the fact that Lady Antebellum has such like extreme privilege to say like, this is going to be our name now under the guise of copyright laws, blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like, they're committing like the most violent act of erasure against another black artist against a black artist Mm -hmm. because they themselves are not. Um, And it just seems like, you know, in this moment where like, you know, the chicks are like, we're trying to really meet the moment here and really, you know, um, uh, be on the right side of history here. This group is like, I think trying to also meet the moment when in fact, absolutely doing the opposite of that, you know, mm-hmm. and just completely, um, 
And I, I guess they had like talks or something like they were. There was a statement yeah. that was released after they, um, after they had met with, um, the real lady A and tried to come out to some sort of agreement, which apparently could not be met. Um, it's being, it's being characterized of, you know, it's her obstinance of some sort, but you know, again, like she shouldn't have, she was there first. Like she shouldn't have to compromise, um, just because they're the bigger institution. Like this is not, um, this is not corporate America. Like she shouldn't have to compromise. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it's, it's very sad. Mm -hmm. And, and also, I mean like this, I would probably not be surprised if they don't lose any fans and if they get more (laughs) for this. Yeah. Um, Because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are like, great. That's great. You changed your name, but you know, like they got there first. They copy, they were the ones who copyrighted it first. She didn't do the right thing. And it's, you know, such, it's such white. Semantics. Yeah. It's semantics when the larger principle that's being discussed is black lives matter. And what you're doing is actually like, directly opposed exactly. to that you know yeah this it's is a, white supremacist dominant culture that's okay. infecting it so yeah i just want to just real quick read this from uh, a rolling stone article on the piece which really gives voice to anita white um the original Lady A, and what she said was, um, White tells Rolling Stone she's frustrated that Lady Antebellum hadn't gone to her before making a decision, pointing out the irony in changing a name in support of racial equality while simultaneously taking another one from a Black performer. Quote, this is my life. Lady A is my brand. I've used it for over 20 years and I'm proud of what I've done, she says. Her voice is breaking. This is too much right now. They're using the name of a Black Lives Matter incident or they're using the name because of a Black Lives incident that for them is just a moment in time. If it mattered, it would have mattered to them before. It should have taken it shouldn't have taken George Floyd to die for them to realize that their name had a slave reference to it. Then she goes on to say it's an opportunity for them to pretend um, that uh, it's an opportunity for them to pretend they're not racist or pretend that this means something to them. And if it did, they would have done some research. And I'm not happy about that. You found me on Spotify easily. Why couldn't they? Mm. That's the point right there. So, yeah. um, so good on you, lady. Changes a. like that without any education are not meaningful and worthless. So, yeah. you know, for real. So shame on that group. And yeah. shame on racist trio. <laughs> Seriously. Can we just call them the racist trio? That's yeah, like the racist trio. Uh, but Anita White, we're holding you up in this because you're on your side. I was like real heated about that. It just seems so inherently like so principled and wrong, you know, mm-hmm. um, that it, I just, don't understand how like so obtuse this group is thinking that like, Oh, we'll just have a conversation about it. We'll take your name. And they don't see how wrong the fucking is, especially in this moment, in this moment right now. Like that's what's so fucked up about it all. So anyway, um, there's going to be a vanilla ice movie and oh my God. (laughs) Wendy is way more excited for the vanilla ice movie than I am. Okay, first of all, to the extreme, I rock a mic like a Vanzel. 
If you were where I was at in 1990, Josephine, <laughs> look at my face. I'm just saying. Um, holy shit. Vanilla Ice has one of those stories or like one of those like behind the music kind of careers where it's like, what really happened with Suge Knight and all of this? And like, ooh, and like, ooh, he stole that hook from Queen. And did he though? And ooh, and like, they're so... Oh my, and it's in all of this, he had like one jam. He had like one bop and that was it, you know, but it stood the test of time. And he's, so anyway, he's writing that till the wheels fall off for sure. And wouldn't you? Hell yeah. So Vanilla Ice. And now I guess he had like a home renovation project or something on like the DIY network, which is really funny. Anyway, I guess his biopic is coming out and y'all... I'm buttering the popcorn right now as we speak. I'm like, give it all to me. I can't wait. Like, give me the story of Rob Van Winkle. I want to see it all. Hello. We'll do a we'll do a double feature with I Tanya and the Vanilla Ice story. So I love her. Yes, I'm here for it. Yes. So the Vanilla Ice movie. The the whole reason we're talking about this is because the Hollywood Reporter posted that. Um, Dave Franco. Dave Franco is in talks to play him. And like the side by side is pretty I mean, bananas. Yeah, it's it's pretty great. Yeah. I need to know if Dave Franco is gonna shave his eyebrow, if he's gonna like get the lines up in his fade. Don't you laugh and make that face at me, Josephine. I mean, I know. He probably will. He probably will. Oh my god, I can't wait. I cannot wait. I will die. Oh, it's gonna be so good. Listen, July started with the whole world finally wetting themselves when they got to see Hamilton on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it came out on July 3rd, mm-hmm. uh, right before Independence Day. And you saw, yes? Uh, yes, I did. I watched... Um, I, I can't say that I watched it with my mom because uh, she fell asleep in the second act, so... Got it. That's understandable. I don't blame her for that. Um, I will say this. And Hamilton has been a chunk of our conversation over the last three years. But um, this is the cast that I saw in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, this so this was filmed six months after I saw it. I saw it in December of 2015. And this was filmed in June of 16. So... By the time they filmed it, um, Betsy, one of the ensemble members, had left the cast already. So this film is not the complete original Broadway cast, but most of them and all of the leading players. Um, they brought back Jonathan Groff because he had he had already left the ensemble, and they brought him back for a weekend so that they could film him in this. Um, okay, so so this is mostly the cast that I saw perform. Um, live. And I will say that the film is better. Mm. (laughs) The film was so good. I mean, live, it's a thrilling theatrical experience. And there's nothing like sitting in a New York theater, hands down, point blank period. But in terms of a film of a theatrical production, this was done so beautifully. Yeah, absolutely. 
And it was filmed in a way that like, you know, it wasn't filmed for like the Lincoln Center archives. It was filmed to be a theatrical release. Um, So it was done really beautifully. And uh, like Thomas Cahill, what happened was they filmed this over the course of like three days. So they filmed two live audiences with like cameras all over the theater. So they filmed a Sunday night performance live. They all came in on Monday to do another like full run of the show and close up shots. And then um, Tuesday they filmed again with another live audience. So they had like so much footage from like wide shots, live audience shots, like close ups, especially in those like intense moments with like Leslie Odom Jr. Um, so like some of the the shots in that are just like phenomenal. Oh, absolutely! It's I think this is the it's the bar that every filmed any sort of uh, any live performance that wants to. Um, wants to have some sort of theatrical release or if it's going to live on like Broadway HD or some sort of streaming service anywhere. Like this is this, this is the standard by which they'll be measured. And um, now in this pandemic when we're like, (laughs) when all we have is like this memory of theater, you know, and what like a live theatrical experience was like, you know, to have this archived copy of this production is like, just phenomenal. The only thing that I take issue with was um, in Act Two, say no to this, with um, uh, uh, Mariah Reynolds and the whole like the Reynolds mm-hmm. affair. Um, in when I saw it in December, that number took place like on the balcony on like the second level, and there was like a bed, and it was hot as hell like that number was so steamy hot and they were like all over each other for like the whole song um i think that they pg'd it up for disney and in Mm -hmm. fact i read somewhere lin-manuel miranda said that like they had to kind of pg that up for disney um so now it's just kind of this boring number where she's like walking around um and then so knowing the timeline of when i saw it and when this was filmed I think that they never changed it back to the hot version because everyone I've spoken to since then has said that like, yeah, that number was just kind of boring. And I'm like, see, when I saw it, it was so hot. (laughs) So I don't know. That's the only issue I took with it. But yeah, they, when I saw it, um, when the first tour came through to Pantages um, the next year, I saw it, um, it was that way. It was that particular, that like PG, not mm-hmm. no heat way. Yeah. Um, especially I, on tour. And no offense to, you know, Jasmine Cephas Jones, but, uh, the Mariah Reynolds that I saw at Pentageous, like she had this very, like, she had like a much deeper kind of like, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, Oh, she was like, Oh, okay. Like hey. was, the sex was in her voice. Hey, you know? sexy times. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. But regardless though, I was really pleased. And like the, the coolest thing it, cause there was obviously there was so much press around it being released mm-hmm. in this, this way. So they were on like the junket of all of like the late night shows and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And what they kept saying was that like, you know, the fact that it was hard to get a ticket to Hamilton wasn't something that they were proud of. You know, they kept trying to make tickets more accessible, but the the thing was they could only see it and they could only give that show to like, 1300 people a night and that's it. Like that's where it capped. So 
I think Lynn said that like, like he's having trouble wrapping his brain around the fact that like in one weekend, more people are going to see this in one weekend than, than we were able to serve for the entire run of our original cast, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and that's true. I mean, it's out there now and like the whole world has seen it over and over and over again. So, yeah, I mean, cause you know, inherently again, like theater as an institution, especially Broadway is very elite. Like let's, you know, that's, we yeah. talk about all the time. So it's nice that we're able with something that was such a cultural phenomenon that like more people are able to see it. And yeah. um, I was like, I was talking to uh, my cousin's, um, last year I had cousins from Guam, uh, who, um, part of their trip when they came, uh, stateside was they were going to stop at the, at the Hamilton residency in San Francisco mm. because their daughters are very obsessed with, mm. uh, with the show. And, um, when the announcement came that they were going to release the movie on Disney plus, I said, Hey, are you, are you guys going to watch it? And she said, well, no, because the way it kind of works is that um, Guam is not in the region that gets Disney plus. No. So I was, oh, I was already trying to figure out how I can like figure out a way to, you know, do like a video conference call and hold up something. So that way they can watch their, at least yeah. their favorite parts or so, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like the, the more it becomes more accessible yeah. for, for people. And yeah. I mean, not bad because already Disney plus seeing the success of Hamilton has decided that they're going to move forward with, um, once on this Island. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, which one. is going to be a film and it's not going to exactly. be a film of the Broadway show, but, mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's exciting. But I hope it's the same kind of concept production design that the, that the, uh, revival was. Mm -hmm. Um, because I, I really loved how they worked in like modern Haiti. So beautiful. And yeah. it was like, I think we've talked about this too. It was such an example mm -hmm. of like a really beautiful ensemble driven show. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm really excited. And I hope that they get Alex Newell back in that. Cause psh, I know. Shit. Um, yeah. other news for Disney plus. I just saw today that Disney plus announced that, um, again, with the pandemic and things being pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. Um, Mulan, the live action Mulan is going to come straight to Disney plus. Great. Finally. Yeah. Thank but goodness. Finally, we're going to see that. I know. Oh my gosh. The thing to keep an eye on is that next month, uh, they're releasing a documentary called Howard, which is about Howard Ashman, who was Alan Menken's, uh, songwriting partner and beauty and the beast was very famously like the last piece that he wrote. Um, and Howard died of AIDS, uh, in the nineties. And so, um, I'm really excited to see that documentary because mm -hmm. I am a whore for a good documentary. Okay. Um, so yeah. So Disney plus got some real good content on there. I can't wait. I cannot wait for Mulan. That's such good news. Yeah. It's really good news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Can we get into drag race all stars season five? Uh -huh. I feel like I need to be hugged and cradled and safe through this conversation. <laughs> Uh, forever. Why, Miss Wendy? Forever. Why? Oh my God. Um. Well, I was rooting for B the whole time. As was I. Yes. So our top three were Juju, 
mm-hmm. Shea Coulee, mm-hmm. and Miss Cracker, right? Yes. Miss Cracker, people were sleeping on her, but she climbed up to the top real quick. And yeah, I know some of the people, myself included, that were like, ugh, I hate her. You know, and I'm like, I didn't hate her, but she wasn't my cup of tea. I didn't really care about her. I lived and died for Jujubee. Mm-hmm. Like, fucking love her so bad. So, so, so bad. Um, obviously, I know I'm not... Spoilers, poo-poo, whatever. If you haven't seen it by now, then, I don't know, come fight me. I, yeah, it, it's spoiled for you if you follow any drag race people. Exactly. <laughs> um, so, Shea Coulee won it. Shea, Shea Coulee. Um, and she really did run, like, a flawless season. Yeah, she was um, she was impeccable the entire time, and also coupled with the narrative of like I've been like living with the like the anxiety of winning and being a joke since Sasha Valor won. I'm like, and I went back and I watched alone. that season too, and we'll get into this mm-hmm. in cover viewing later. But I watched her season with Sasha Valor. And, like, paying close attention to that moment, like, when it kind of all fell apart for her, was like, oh, yeah. It just gave so much more context to this season of All Stars. You can tell where her spirit left her body. And she was just, like, just going through the motions as best as she could. Oh, for real. She was hungry for this win. But I think the lovely thing about her was that she didn't play the pity party. She came into this season like as such an example of grace and poise and class. And she was so um, just lovely the whole season. Like, like she wasn't salty or shady, you know, she was just fucking funny and, and professional the whole damn time, you know? Yeah. Um, so was Jujubee though. You know, like so was Juju B, but it was a different. It was different. Like yeah, Juju likes to stir the pot a little bit. She likes to stir up some shit. So yeah. it was like funny to see that. Um, but also like knowing that Juju B was entering, coming back into this season as an all star, newly sober or not newly, but you know, like with a new newly single sober, newly single, like, like with a clarified yeah. purpose. Now, like you can see how it affected her game in this. Mm-hmm. You know. And, oh, God, also just, like, the consummate pro, you know? So it occurred to me this, that, like, though Juju didn't win, and this was now, like, what, her second or third time that she'd made it to the top two and didn't make it or didn't win, um, that there is a specific canon of queens in, like, the Drag Race family that never won shit. <laughs> they never won a title. They didn't win their season. They didn't win all stars. None of that. Or they weren't called back for all stars, whatever. But like they within their own right are so beloved, you know? So like a Raven, a Jujubee, a Latrice Royale, like somebody said, and I forgot where I heard it. Like Latrice wasn't good at drag race. Like she was not a good, like she wasn't good at being successful at drag race. You know what I mean? But like, she is She's an amazing queen and a yeah. storied performer. So, mm-hmm. like, within the canon of Drag Race queens, there are these these queens that stand alone, regardless of title. And I yeah. think that that's what Juju just did. Oh, absolutely. She's now a Shangela, you know? Like, she's on yes. 
She's on that level. She's a Shang... And these are all, like, early girls. Like, they're all... She's a Shangela. She's a, you know, like you said, a raven. Mm -hmm. Um, I would even put... um, uh, who would I put up there? I would put like a Vanjie almost like, you know, like they're not Vanjie mm. for newer, newer, and maybe not her. as iconic, yeah. but like, yeah. But yeah. In the sense that like, she never won shit, but like she is forever recognizable mm-hmm. regardless of how much she changes her damn face. But yes. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I thought that like, the final episode was really good. Their their final costumes were beautiful. Like everybody, mm, was, mm-hmm. this season of pros was so good. Like there wasn't really any shit in the mix. You know, like it wasn't yeah. like a I mean, besides like Alexis Mateo's the villain. <laughs> yes. Ooh, but then did you see the reunion piece of it where like like what's her name was finally called out? The um, uh, India Farah. Yes, where like she was like kind of called out on her shit, and everyone's like, "No, girl, she didn't say that." And then she like India Farrah just kind of sat there and kind of like, "Well, t- but no, but she said like this to me or something like this," and like kind of twisted her own fucking words. Like, Ugh, shady fucking queen. I don't like her. I never liked and her. That's why no one likes, and that's why she doesn't work anywhere. And that's why you got picked up and twirled around on your season, and that's why yeah. it's all you're known for. Go um, join Fifi O'Hara in retirement. <laughs> yes. Oh God, for real. Um, but all in all, though, a really good season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking oh. of a Puerto Rican queen. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of a Puerto Rican queen, tell us about it. Um, I, like Wendy, watched the documentary about, uh, Senor Walter Mercado. Of, Who Alexis uh, Mateo did yep. in Snatch mm-hmm. Game, Snatch Game of Love. Yeah. It's and fucking she did And I didn't get it, but now I did. <laughs> but now, but now I you get it, yeah. But now yeah. I really get it. Um, yeah. yeah, so Walter Mercado is this, uh, oh he is an astrologer, yes. like a mystic. A legend, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like a mystic astrologer. I did not know him, obviously, through like Puerto Rican culture, but I remembered, um, I remembered him being on like the talk show circuits of like, like the Sally Jesse Raphael mm-hmm. and on like, Regis and Kathy Lee and like, love, like seeing those kinds of like, I would see, I was like the weirdo in the Cape, you know, like he would show up every now and then and like read the stars, but to understand his place culturally and what he did for like all of Latinidad, I was like, Oh, this documentary is so beautifully done. Yeah, very much. If this shit isn't nominated for Oscars, I'm going to have something to say about it. Like, it was so beautifully done. And it has such a clear narrative, too. Like, because it's such a a clear, like, it's literally the rise and the fall and the resurgence um, and the resurrection of this, like, How he was done dirty in business and how he came back and had to own his name and, and all of that. But... The most thrilling piece of this to me was that like very later in the documentary, and I don't think I'm ruining anything for anybody, but there's like a present day queen 
who's sitting there, not maybe not queen, but someone who identified as um, LGBT was sitting there with like, I think his tia or his abuela or someone. And he was saying like, could you imagine a present day Walter Mecao who is like on Instagram, like someone yeah. who's non-binary, someone non-binary, asexual, asexual like, non-binary, mystic, <laughs> mystic, all about love, androgynous, all about spreading positivity and love. And he was like, he'd be like the biggest thing on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy shit, you're right. Like he was so ahead of his time. He and was. he really was just about love. Con mucho, mucho amor. Mucho. I'm yeah, like, I think for like a good week, I was like, okay, I signed off to people like, okay, called mucho, mucho, mucho amor. Amor. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I also really loved the the museum piece of it in the end. Mm-hmm. His life collected in this big final hoo-ha, you know, like, oh God, it's just, I can't say enough good things about it. I feel like I want to go back. I want to watch it again. I also appreciated, like, they they exp- explicitly from his mouth addressed the issues that I was, like, like, the issues that I was, like, are they going to talk about that in the documentary? And they did. And so, right? like, okay. Well, like, I don't want to give too much away, but, like, his, like, sexuality mm-hmm. and his, like, look and all mm-hmm. that stuff. And, and I was like, yeah, this is this is amazing yes. how they did that. And it just goes, like, it was also so perfectly timed. Because mm-hmm. he didn't, he passed um, shortly after. Uh, like three months after sh- that museum opening, yeah. Yeah, shortly after the events of the documentary. And so it's it was perfectly timed and he got to, you know, and he, he had the last word in his story, which is great. So, yeah. I mean, in terms of like the scope and scale of who he was in -hmm. terms of like opulence, he was like a Liberace. He was like a Michael Jackson. He was an Elton John, but of like Latin America, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of like the jewels and the capes and like, the scope and scale of his persona, you know, but, oh God, just in Capricornio, like, Sagittario, I'm like, yeah, like, (laughs) so good. Uh, Just like so positive and lovely and wonderful. And I probably will watch it again. I know. It's just like, feel good. And at first when it's starting, you're like, "Hmm, do I care about this? And then like five minutes in, you're like, oh my God, yes. Maybe I do care about this. I do. I do care about this. Yes. Um, This is how they need to do the Richard Simmons documentary whenever he comes out of One day they certainly will. Definitely. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Just so good. So good. Uh, and I love that, like, within the scope of pop culture, like, he had this full circle moment, you know, like, where Walter Mercado is now, like, this still, like, iconic figure now with this current and young generation, too. So it's it's really cool to kind of see all of this come full circle and uh, and him given his, you know, his proper place in, I don't know, in a way that, like, to have this film honor his body of work mm-hmm. and, like, and that he gets to be a voice in his story yeah. is, is really, really important. It was great. Um, did you watch some gay shit? Did you yes. watch, some, did you cry over some weddings? Like I did when you watched say I do. I didn't cry, but I definitely <laughs> like, it was just, 
I I mean, I loved it. I, I Okay, we're talking about the series on Netflix, Say I Do, and there are eight episodes in this series. And they're each like an hour each or 45 minutes or something like that? Just about an hour, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, friends, sevens, I, Wendy, do not necessarily believe in marriage or care about it all that deeply. But when I tell you I was watching this series and I was like... <laughs> Like, I was making noises as I was crying because all of a sudden my cold and pea-sized heart was feeling things. It, it, it did. It was, my little pea-sized heart was thawing and then it was growing. <laughs> um, but the premise is that it takes these couples who have, like, been up against, you know, the hard times and impossible odds and all of that. And these three fairy godmothers come in. <laughs> And magic, throw them a then extravagant, glorious, romantic fairy tale wedding within a week. Yeah. From proposal through dress fittings, through venue, through everything, like everything's covered. Yeah. Which one was the your favorite? Ring sometimes. Yes. I mean, which one was my favorite? Uh, yeah. It was last one where it was like the guy with the internalized homophobia and oh. had a beard. You're of like kissing his husband. That one felt like a wedding. fucking therapy session. Like so it much was. of that episode was like, I'm in gay therapy right now. What's going on? Yeah, it was. Um, there was that one. I mean, which? What else did I like? Did I like? I love the old did. folks. Oh yes, where he had no idea what his wife wanted. Um. <laughs> yeah, he didn't. But he also kind of didn't really know her struggle and like why she was so independent and why that was so important to her. And I think like that was such a great piece too of like, you know, you're marrying me, but you're signing on for this. Like I've been alone for a really long time and I've been taking care of myself for a really long time. So you're going to be okay with that. Right. <laughs> like it was just lovely. And they have this like lovely, beautiful adoption story too. Like, Oh God. Um, oh, the so bride cool. with the learning disability, like, come on. Oh my God. Oh my god! I, this is what I mean when I said I was making ugly crying sounds. I was like, I. Here's the thing. Like, I do as a I woman be, and as an educator. I know. I know. I feel like marriage, the institution, I can like maybe get behind. It's kind. It's like weddings that I kind of hate. Like I really don't like weddings, and maybe it's just because I've been a part of so many of them, but. Mm -hmm. I don't mind attending weddings when I'm just invited to go as a guest, but I think I have PTSD because I was a part of so many of them in very quick succession. And I, they just have always seemed so unnecessary to me. So in watching this series, all I was so fucking into the weddings of it that it really surprised me. And I was like, why do I care about this? Mm -hmm. Why do I care about the hand beating on her shoes? I do. <laughs> Oh my god, he like hand stoned um, the wood Swarovski. He hand stoned them crystal. like the, the, capes, the capes. The capes that were also like his pieces of art. I was like, cape, yes, absolutely. Like, yes. Yes. Oh man. Oh my god. Okay, and then who's like your favorite. Like the I loved I loved like the farmer couple yes the one where he like got into a farming accident 
Or no, that that was the one where like his yeah, wife yeah. had the learning disability. So I loved them, but there was another couple that was like I want to say like kind of southern, maybe maybe they weren't. I don't know. They took yeah. in his sister's kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then they were pregnant with theirs too. So mm-hmm. like the carnival wedding. Yeah. So he had to design a dress for like someone who was like eight months pregnant. Um, mm-hmm. So I loved their story, but I really like, I loved the old folks story just because I was like, that would probably be me. I'd probably like <laughs> wait until I'm like 65 to finally get married and then have to like tell my man how it is and be like, don't mm-hmm. fuck with my independence. Um, but I love talk that. And then about, uh, talk to me about the guys. Talk to me about the fairy godmothers. Okay. Um, I love the little twink. Who's the dressmaker? Ty. <laughs> yes, Ty. I love mm-hmm. Ty. I love Gabriel, the chef. Mm-hmm. I love, um, is it not Nate Burkett? Not Nate, I'm like, not Nate Burkett. His, his, his husband, husband Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Nate Burkett is wrong. Um, yeah. I had only known Jeremiah through like Nate and Jeremiah and like their mm-hmm. Reno show and stuff. Um, I went and back so and watched I, their episode of Trading Faces. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I felt like I got to like know him more through this and it, he was lovely. Yeah, All three of them I, were so lovely. And I loved that we got to know them mm-hmm. as much as the couples and hear about their stories and their, mm-hmm. and they their were so real. Like, yeah. They were so real in a way, like, so we've talked about on the show that I, like, was watching Dragnificent for a little bit, and it's, like, Dragnificent was fine, but, like, it had that kind of, like, veneer of reality television propriety on top of it, and with this, I felt like the Ty, uh, Gabriel, and and Jeremiah were able to be so unbelievably themselves the entire time. And yeah, it felt like, it feels like somebody described it to me as like Queer Eye for Weddings. And mm-hmm. I was like, kind of, but that also feels a little disrespectful to me, to the work that they did, you know? Like, mm-hmm. it feels like it's different work and different humans, and therefore it's a whole different experience, you know? Yeah. Um, but in terms of like going on that journey of like one week with this couple and like, you know, and like changing their lives and offering their services. Like, yeah. yes, that like, formula is what works, but yeah. And making sure that when they like stand at that altar and they like, but they're ready love, for it. Yes. They're ready for it. And there's nothing holding them back. Like the whole, like, it's like, how do you feel about meeting with an attorney to talk about adoption? And I, I like, mean, yes. Oh my God. How do you feel about like meeting with a specialist to diagnose you officially for your learning? I have to tell you, I was sitting on, I think I was like, maybe I was crocheting or something because I'm 80. So I was doing something else and I was watching this kind of out of like the corner of my eye and I started like, <laughs> like making these noises and like seven minutes into the first episode, I had to like put it on pause and take a break. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, I am feeling too many feelings and I was not prepared for this tonight, but okay. Um, and so I really had to like sit down when I was ready for it to watch mm-hmm. it. Cause you have to be in a place where you're ready to feel feelings to watch that show. Yeah. And yeah. Oh God. So many feelings with that show, but it was really beautifully done. 
Yeah, very beautifully done. I mean, I'm certain they'll have another season, no? I I mean, I hope so. I hope we're able to do weddings in the future. <laughs> I know, right? I hope so. Um, and then shout out to Ty for uh, bringing the word atelier back into the popular, uh, in, back into the lexicon. I was like, ah, that's like, that was like, that's one of my favorite words to play in Scrabble. Yes. It's like, welcome to my atelier. And I'm like, oh, yes. Yes. It feels so I mean, fancy. So fancy. Yeah. All of it was so good. Real good. Oh, and every episode you're like, I'm not going to like this couple more than I like the last couple. I love the last couple. And then the next episode mm-hmm. starts and you're like, fuck, I love these kids too. Okay. I'm in it. Mm-hmm. Let's get you kids married. Okay. It's yeah. It's a good show. If you haven't done it yet, get into that. It's a good eight hours of love and feelings. Exactly. If you if you already are like watching TLC for shows, <laughs> yes. this is kind of like what if you're watching. Or- say yes to the dress. Then I want you to promptly dump that trash and, and watch <laughs> discard <it> that <laughs> heaping dumpster fire of a reality yeah. show. And tune in to Say I Do. It's a much better wedding content. Yeah. There you go. Um, I want to talk about the Babysitter's Club. Okay. <laughs> on Netflix. So if you, like me, grew up with Anne M. Martin's Babysitter's Club book series, um, I remember devouring these books in the 80s. Like... And she turned them out with such rapidity. Like they came out like, I want to say like once a month or once every other month, there was a new book. Mm-hmm. So like once it was established as something that was successful, like the babysitters club kind of became this machine. And then Anna Martin had a bunch of ghostwriters because she couldn't turn out that many stories at once. You know, she was only one writer. So, um, just the series of these kids who like decided to be babysitters and earn some after school money and blah, blah. And I mean, in hindsight, there are middle school kids babysitting like little kids, which is kind of bullshit because you know, who's, <laughs> who's babysitting the babysitters, but, <laughs> but these girls like represented such characters and such different kinds of kids that for so many kids growing up reading these books, there was representation there. Uh-huh. And there's another really great story uh, or a, a piece on Netflix called um, the I Heart Claudia Kishi Club or some, something to that effect. I'll find it and I'll post something about it. Um, but Claudia was the Japanese American babysitter in the Babysitter's Club. And she became a cultural icon for all kinds of Asian kids because for so many kids who grew up with this model minority myth, you know, that like you needed to be like perfect straight A's, et cetera, et cetera. Like here comes this character, Claudia, who is this artist who eats junk food and she's like quirky and she gets bad grades and she has a learning disability and her older sister is super strict and has the grades and is the model minority and all of that. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, but Claudia represented like the rebel Asian. Mm -hmm. And, and so for so many people growing up, 
So there's this whole documentary on Netflix about Claudia Kishi, um, that, and it's short, it's like a half an hour or something like that, but it just talks about like culturally what she represented at this moment in time. It was really the first time we saw a young Asian character who broke the mold, you know, and Anna Martin wrote her in the eighties. And so that was so cool. And so a lot of these books I had read in the eighties and then watching this series, it kind of like came back to me. <laughs> I was like this weird, like acid flashback, you know? Um, the like Christie is like the bossy president of the babysitters club, which is like, she's totally like a dykey lesbian, but like, we don't talk about it, you know? And then like, <laughs> you know, and then like Marianne's her like quiet best friend, like her quiet passive best friend who like totally has a boyfriend. And then there's like boy crazy Stacy and the Dawn and all of that. But the cool thing that they did with, this series on Netflix now in like updating the babysitters club for today is that they didn't shy away from like any of the issues. So they babysit a trans child. They talk about Claudia's grandmother in the internment camps and like the PTSD she has from that. They, um, they get into like, there's, there was just so much that they weren't afraid to talk about. And it was really normalized. Um, like Dawn having a gay dad um, and parents, you know, like dating again and things like that. So there was just so much that they didn't shy away from. And that was really refreshing to see. And I was like, Oh, okay. They really went there with the series. Um, but it also kind of just made me be like, Oh, yay. My little eight year old Wendy. I love these books. <laughs> It was a it was a good series. It was really well done. So I don't know. I was pleased. Well, it's good. Yeah. That's all I have to say about it. It's great. That's great. I hit I hit a point this month where I was like, I will watch anything. I just need to watch something. And I started watching that, and I got in it so fast. It was just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> baby. Oh yeah. Club. Yeah. Oh, and then it like talks about like you know like getting your first period and like first kisses and you know, it's just, it's, it's real stuff. Yo. I love it. I love I, it. I know. So when you Josephine are a little girl who gets your first period, <laughs> you can turn to the babysitter's club. And they will help me with it. They will. And your babysitter's club sisters will be there for you and they'll have sanitary napkins there for you. I mean, babysitter's club. Babysitter's Club, yeah, yeah. It was really good. Um, you know what else was really good? Black mm -hmm. is King. Black is King. Uh, Black Beyonce. Is... I mean... Disney Plus really bringing out those heavy hitters in July. Really crushing huh? it. Really crushing it, yeah. At the beginning and at the end of the month. Yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah, because Black is King came out at the end of the month. Um, like on the last day of the month, whereas Hamilton opened the month. Yeah. Um, but oof, I've forgotten that it was like loosely based on like the Lion King and, and the album that she had done the music. The gift. Done for that movie. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What were your thoughts on the movie? Um, on the I, I actually really like the gift. Um, mm -hmm. I thought that it was not given its fair shake when it came out. Um, cause it was like, it's interesting cause like artists are starting to do like not necessarily 
soundtracks, you know, music that's directly in films, but they're starting to like do music that's inspired by films. So like these little mixtapes, Kendrick did it with um, Black Panther. The Gift is sort of based on that as well. Plus, there's a lot of like African artists that are in it as well, in it also. Um, but I mean, it was it was very much like oh, like this is a Parkwood production visual album type deal. Um, again, it was it was it was beautiful. It was gorgeous to watch and just. You know, just so, like, I don't think she knew that we were going to need this now, Mm. but, but like something, some spirit guide was just like, you need to make this. Some, some Mufasa in the cloud was just like, Uh, Beyonce did know that we were going to need this. I mean, when do we not, right? When do we not need something like this? But especially now, and especially from the point of view of like, you know, directly inspiring children to mm-hmm. become to do more become more mm-hmm. yeah and especially as, as told through um like black families and black generations and and the history of of black empires like throughout africa and on all these different levels you know like from beaches to mansions you know um <laughs> i was like when that shit opened, I was like, um, where is my bejeweled jumpsuit on the sands of Africa? What? what? Mm-hmm. Oh, I got the costumes in that mm-hmm. were like some of the most beautiful costuming. Just amazing. And it was constantly like look after look after look after look. It was really, really beautiful. In terms of story, like it felt a little like all over the place. But, um, but in the end, like the messaging was really clear, you know? Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't know that there was like one specific through line and story of it, um, but it was like visually just beautiful to watch. And it was, that was the point of it, right. To have a visual album. And so, yeah, just, oh God. Yeah. So good. Uh, do you so have good. a favorite number? Um, I love Brown Skin Girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my favorite song on the album, so... Yeah, and it's just such a love letter to, like, Black women and and Black friendships amongst Black women um, and holding each other up. To have, like, Naomi, Lupita... The cameos in that, seriously. Now, you were also saying um, something about Serena, right? Yeah, I thought I saw in, in... one of the numbers towards the end, um, it was one of the numbers towards the end. I think it was my power, um, where they're in the white hallway. And I thought I saw a pregnant Serena Williams dancing, which we know she can dance because we've all seen, um, you know, uh, sorry from lemonade and there's Serena Williams dancing there. And I, and I just, it looked like she was pregnant. So, for me, like, just because I'm trying to figure out the timeline of when they had a chance to make this. And mm-hmm. Disney is always, you know, they're not ashamed of giving something like three, four years out in the yeah. future because they want to make sure to do it right. So uh-huh. it I was, feel like was, the scope yeah. and scale of this, too, 
must have taken so many locations and so many, you know what I mean? Like it feels like this would have taken a very long time to do carefully and to craft each environment differently. And then kind of, I mean, think about like the editing on this piece and putting it all together in post. Like, Oh God. Because like everything is like a picture. It's Mm -hmm. just, you know, like of everything is a picture as a portrait. I, this it's and also like how do you choose how do you choose from like the wealth of artists that are making music in Africa right now like, yeah. to be a part of this yeah that was great it was so it was really beautiful to see her give platform to all of these african artists and dancers and performers like in and to to hold them up in this was beautiful real good yeah thanks beyonce you keep up that good good yeah, I was like, oh, man, I do love this album. I'm going to listen yeah. to it again. Yeah. You know what it was? Beyonce was like, oh, you didn't give me enough cred for the gift. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm a one-up, you motherfuckers. And I'm going to turn right. it into a visual album. And now you're going to love me all over again. So there. Yeah. Also, it's nice to see little Blue Ivy getting down and, like, you yeah. know, serving it and just being like, mm-hmm, that's right. In case you forgot, I'm Blue Ivy Carter Knowles. Uh-huh. Or Knowles exactly. Carter. Yes. It's so good. So good. Um, I want to speak really quickly about um, Michelle Obama's podcast started this month. It's exclusively on Spotify. Um, and it's, I think, a seri- it's a limited series or season one is a limited number of episodes already. Um, but she, in her intro to the podcast, she talks about like the purpose of the podcast really being centered around relationships in the relationship she has with these people. So the first episode is with Barack Mm -hmm. and it's this conversation between the two of them and like the communities that they both came from and how they connect with their communities and how they serve their communities. And, um, but also like, like hearing them talk to each other. So just conversationally and with so much love Mm -hmm. is like, he never really drops the guard of like being president Obama, but she has dropped the guard of being first lady. Right. Mm -hmm. So she talks about them dating and stuff. And she's just, the language that she uses is like so full of like love, but also joking and like play, you know, it's just, it's like you listen to them talk with like such longing and love for, for better times. Um, so yeah, their first episode was like an hour and I think, I think that's going to come out weekly or not, but I don't know if you're on Spotify, check that out because our forever first lady can do no wrong. She's so good. Yeah. We love her. We love her so much. Uh, we the other her. We love her. Know, we really do. And uh, Lord knows we have spent enough time here at our time talking about becoming both the book, the tour, the film, all of it. Like, we have broken our love for Michelle Obama down. So, um, so yeah, of course, I was like, oh, let me get into this podcast right now, please. Thanks. Um, so highly, highly suggest that. And then I really want to talk about um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark and HBO. HBO Max or just mm-hmm. HBO, period. But um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark is was originally a book written by Michelle McNamara about her search for the Golden State Killer. And Michelle McNamara was uh, Patton Oswalt's wife. 
And uh, she was a true crime writer, like a really gifted true crime writer. And uh, she wrote this amazing book and she died very suddenly um, while she was in the midst of writing this book. So upon her death, her husband and other true crime uh, specialists took up this mantle and used her research and her files to complete the book for her. Um, the book was published and it was released. And within, I want to say like within the month, the golden state killer was captured. Um, so it was this whole fucking phenomenon when this all happened in 2016, I believe 16 or mm -hmm. 18 yeah. mm -hmm. died in 16. I think the book came out in 18, maybe, I don't know. Watch the series. They got the dates up in there, but, um, so HBO released this series about the book and because the book was phenomenal and I read the book when it came out. Um, so I was like curious to see what the series was going to be about, if it was going to be about the killer or if it was going to be about Michelle McNamara or about the book. And it's kind of about all of that. Mm -hmm. And it's about like her developing the story and her getting the book deal and like, kind of like her obsession with like combing through files and like her lack of sleep and her dependency on pills and like kind of how all of that contributed to her sudden death, but how like that was kind of unknown that she was taking as much as she was. Um, but it's not even about that. It's about like, like how her brain just really kind of captured this moment of like, here's who I think this dude is. This is the kind of job I think that he has. I believe that he's an old man still out there. I believe X, Y, and Z, da, 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 da. And then like a month after her book came out, that's exactly who he was. And so the series is chilling. And it's also so beautifully done. It's such a love letter to her and to her crime work and to her writing and her family. And, um, and also just this community of victims that this insane rapist and killer left behind. Um, because in the seventies he raped like over 50 women and they all like are numbered. And so they all now in this film they have, or in the series, they have like reunions where they're like now kind of like they've have this, this unity together and this community to collectively uh, heal. Yeah. yeah. To kind of heal together. And, uh, it's, that was just like so beautiful to see. And everybody kept saying like, I wish Michelle was here for this, mm. you know? So the series is like this love letter to her and, and to this work and all of the healing that's come out of it. Mm. Um, so if you can, I think that's like a six part series on HBO and it's really worth getting into. It's really good. I awesome. can we talk about Emmy nominations? Oh, let's do it. Let's get into it. Emmy nominations. First of all, the Emmys are going to happen on September 20th on ABC hosted by Jimmy Kimmel. I don't know if they'll be live or if they will be zoomed or digital, like, I don't, I think I read somewhere that there will be some kind of socially distant gathering to record this, but I don't. It don't might be along the same lines of the graduation ceremony, you know, where they have like a pretty empty studio. I imagine. I don't know. Who knows? Um, 
but we'll see. So this was a huge, huge, huge piece of news for Netflix because Netflix walked away with a massive 160 nominations, the most of any network or streaming service. So huge for Netflix that they like, they topped network television and we've been talking about the death of network television for ages. Yeah, we, we, this was, this is news, but it's not new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what were some nominations that you were excited about? Um, well, I mean, I'm definitely excited about all the nominations that Watchmen received. Mm-hmm. Um, as, like, it's still on my list. I have to, I just have to get into it and do, um, like, three a day for the next three days because there's only nine episodes, so just get into it. I'm so very excited about that. Uh, very excited about Jennifer Aniston receiving a nomination for the first time in like what twenty something years. Yeah, I'm friends. Um, mm-hmm. Cause she won the Golden yeah. Globe for this, didn't she? For um, she went for the morning for, show. For the morning show, I yeah. don't remember. Um, she did. She won. She won. I believe it was the Golden Globe or the SAG Award or something like that. It was something where we talked about her dress. Cause remember how we could see her nipples through her dress? Yes. So I, yeah. was, I think it was probably <laughs> SAG. Um, so that was also very interesting, uh, to see, very surprising. Um, also Zendaya for Euphoria, uh, which is also a great thing. I mean, here's, good. Here's why our marriage works for us, really, because everything that you're talking about right now is stuff that I have not, nor have any interest in watching. And I have watched <laughs> everything else on the other So we are perfectly balanced here. Continue. Well, you again, like Euphoria is such a it's such a strange show how it's shot. So, like, I feel like it's nice to see that. Plus, I, Zendaya is beautiful. Like, yeah, her performance is really gorgeous in it. Um, I interesting to see um, some like snubs in my opinion uh, for Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of uh, a lot of um, there were some people who were left out from. Um, I think it was late night, the late night hosts, Corden and uh, Fallon. And I think Fallon hasn't been nominated for years. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the tonight show, I feel like often gets left out. That's all very interesting. But, you know, again, I think it's um, the one that I'm just the most like excited by is um, Darcy Carden getting, um, her nomination for The Good Place for Supporting Actress Comedy. Oh, yay! Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, because um, I've actually, I've been to a couple comedy shows where Darcy Carden is there. Uh, uh-huh. This is, like, beginning of her notoriety in The Good Place, and to see her finally get nominated, it's just like, yeah, like, this is great, because um, I think it was Darcy Carden. Darcy Carden went to school with Nico Santos, um, and they had a drama teacher who told both of them that they were never going to amount to anything. Um, so when they start to see each other in things, they are both on network television shows, the same mm-hmm. network. So when they started to like see each other in things, they always kind of wink and nod at each other. And uh-huh. so this is, I think it's this like great validation of like, just if you can, if you yeah. do good work, you continue trying not yeah. to listen to the haters and keep yeah. on going. So I always love that. I love the, like, prove them wrong mentality, you know? Like, mm-hmm. fuck them all. Do good work. Show up for yourself yeah. every day. Um, yeah, I'm really excited about Shit's Creek. Finally got its uh, mm-hmm. due diligence. And so 
They have been nominated for a total of 15 awards, which is the most recognition they've ever gotten. Um, and especially in their final season, which was such a gift. It was so beautifully done. Um, so that's going to be a huge night for Dan Levy and, uh, and the whole cast. All four members of the shit family got, um, nom- not, not the shit family, um, uh, the Rose family. The Rose family. Thank you. All four members of the Rose family got nominations. <laughs> Someone in their, who doesn't in their the acting category. I know. I'm like, you haven't even watched it yet, so you're a homework, bitch. So, <laughs> <laughs> so the Rose family. Uh, they all got nominations in their acting categories, which is really great. And so that's exciting to see. I'm really excited about um, Mrs. America. Got a mm-hmm. ton of nominations for Hulu. Um, and that series, while slow moving, was so beautifully done about, you know, the rise of the Equal Rights Act and, you know, feminism and the women working against the Equal Rights Amendment. was it, That was such a fascinating series and moment in time to kind of really pick apart and, you know... Hulu did it really beautifully. And so that was a really great thing to see. I also want to call attention to the fact that a ton of black actors got nominations. And so that's something that's really being celebrated. Um, the uh, There's a lot of diversity in the acting nominations. The one thing I want to talk about, though, is that uh, Billy Porter was nominated for Pose again, and yet none of the transgender women were nominated for that series. And that is kind of, again, like (laughs) a little bit of a thorn in the side. And Billy Porter kind of took his time before releasing a statement about it too. And he was like, you know, something along the lines of like being really thrilled and honored, but also this isn't about me. This is about these women and this story, you know, and their stories. Um, So that was, you know, important to kind of save space there. Um, obviously the marvelous Mrs. Maisel is nominated again, both Christina Applegate and Linda Cardellini got nominated for dead to me in the same category. So that's really interesting. Um, little fires everywhere got nominated. That was a phenomenal series. Um, so, I mean, the categories are really loaded this year. There's a lot of really good stuff that I'm excited to see the reality competition show. Let's real quick, the masked singer. Nailed it, RuPaul's Drag Race, Top Chef, and The Voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a pretty exciting category. I watched three of those shows. <laughs> there you go. I know. Um, so, yeah, I, it's exciting. I'm excited to see how that'll I all mean, play like, out. Nicole Byer getting nominated for reality host in the same, like, as the same, like, the Queer Eye guys, the Shark Tank Sharks. Uh, Padma and Tom for Top Chef, RuPaul, like that whole category is so stacked. And also Amy Poehler and Nick Offerman for making it. Yeah. Like, that show yeah. is a goddamn delight. I love that show. Yeah. Especially I if you're a crafty Poehler. bitch. Yes. It's lovely. I love it so much. Um, yeah, the Emmys are really extensive. And then there's also the um, the technical Emmys um, that, you know, kind of are the not shmemmies. the yeah, that are, you know, all of the behind the scenes work, um, which is, you know, obviously so, so important in terms of, uh, you know, lighting, production design, et cetera, et cetera. And that's where like all of those, like the, the host awards and things like that yeah. are given out. So it's, it's really exciting. Um, I'm excited to see that. 
Maya Rudolph nominated twice yes. in guest actress comedy. Like, just love it. Voiceover actors were nominated, like mm-hmm. tons. Both Jasmine Cephas Jones and her father Ron C- Ron Jones were both nominated this year. He for This Is Us, and she for uh, I think for her voiceover work, something. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a father daughter duo nominated this year. It's exciting. All good stuff. Um, but we've been talking for a really, really long time. And so real quick before, before we wrap up this July, tell me about your comfort watching. Um, I've been watching to feel good. I've been watching a lot of things to feel good. Um, I finished legendary, on the next so day. did I at the House of Balmain. The House of Balmain. I'm um, going to tell you that I no longer applaud like a real person. This is what I do now. You do the finger clap. <laughs> and I also like told <laughs> told Latanya said I'm going to teach a whole grade level full of children to clap like this. Just oh clack your fingers together. That's it. I, That's the only thing I'm going to do now from now on. I don't know how many times I I had to I googled that. When I would see, you know, legendary Leomi, like, uh, Maldonado, like, clapping with her finger. And I was like, that is awesome. Like, like it I is. need to know where this is from. Um, and she's just, like, with a slight little nod. I I was just like. It's like her middle finger and her great. thumb just, like, clacking together. Yeah. And instead of doing, like, poetry snaps, which mm-hmm. I fucking hate. And I have always fucking hated poetry snaps. It's like the gay drag version instead. It's like, no, no, no. Just clackety clack your fake nails together. Yeah. And just show your good. approval for the queens. And that is what I'm going to be bringing into my classroom in 2020, children. You're welcome. I'm going to serve it to the children. Everybody give me a clap. There you go. It's like, it's like, it's like, you can't be loud on Zoom. So we No, nope, to- <laughs> everybody, clack your fingers. There you go. It's going to be the best. I love it. Um, so yes, the house of, the house of Balmain. Um, I was, was I rooting for Balmain the whole time? No. Um, but I did like who it, who it came down to. Uh-huh. Um, also apparently, um, the host of it, the host of all of this, um, he is from the house of, uh, um, the other house. What's the other house that was the, not Balmain. Oh my God. Uh, Lanven. Like, yeah. yes, he is, he is from the house of Lanven. So I thought that was, I, when I found that out later, I thought that was very interesting. Um, I just loved how cutthroat legendary was. It was like, uh, these, these club kids are like working their asses off and voguing the house down. And then this panel of bitchy judges is just like cutthroat. No, La Roach like, was, <laughs> yes. La Roach was, yes. was like being very like, no, I'm just going to like cut you from the floor right now. You're not giving mm-hmm. it to me. Like you're done. It's like, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm happy that, uh, Jamila Jamil will, uh, will correct what I perceived as a slight of her being center chair and not Laomi because again, like she went on, she did release a statement where she basically said like, if it was not made apparent, we will make it apparent next time. So. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Yeah. Laomi is like, she's the one who adds the credibility to the entire like judging panel. So. Yes. You know what I did want to discuss though in legendary was the uh, Dominique Jackson, is that right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. From, uh, Pope. Yes. When she came on and she, like, b- 
was like picking fights with the the club kids and like I just felt like I don't know. I just felt like she was a guest on the panel and she was obnoxious as hell. But she is from that world though. Like I know she, she's from that world, but like she's from that world and she was giving them but what so Naomi, they and would like, have gotten at at a ball. Like she was judging them the way that she she it was like but she just like got like, up in people's faces and was like yelling at people and shit and I'm like, is that really is this I, necessary right now? I don't know. It just felt like <laughs> you what? I want her to be on the judging panel. She needs to oh, take where? Like, she needs to take Megan the Stallion's place. <laughs> yes. Although God, I fucking love Megan the Stallion. I love her so much. I was like, I, I think I texted one of my buddies and I was like, is Megan the Stallion on Legendary uh Paula Abdul? <laughs> it was like, yes. This yes, is accurate. It is accurate. And then cause at the end of the season she was like, I didn't know that much about ballroom, but <laughs> But I learned a lot. It's <laughs> like, so, yeah, you did. <laughs> and Jamila Jamil is just kind of there. And she's just We're like, like Jamila she, Jamil, she's British as hell. Like, so she's proper. Like, she's like very, she's very much trying to, A, not appropriate, and B, like, not be offensive. So she's just kind of there. Yeah. Um, but yes, um, did you have a favorite, uh, do you have a favorite person in, because I, um, I definitely do. Like, <laughs> I don't remember their names. I felt like so much of that show moved so quickly that my mm-hmm. biggest qualm with the show was that I didn't have enough time to like get to know them and get to know everybody in the different houses, you know? Mm-hmm. So like the one, the one kid who was like climbing the walls and stuff, like the one who like straight up, the girl who like climbed the oh, damn wall yeah. that last mm-hmm, battle mm-hmm. was like fucking phenomenal and fierce um and then there was like the mother what was her name uh erica lundven yes mother erica the, sir, serving the face yes the face. so here for erica um but that's it though it was like i i can't remember their names and um, i wanted I'm, to yeah I, I, I agree. I feel like if like you could do an entire after show that was just like each person, like the the house that left talking individually about their story. Yeah. Um, like, did I love a Christian Saint Laurent? Yes. Um, I was definitely here for. Um, I was definitely here for Twilight Escada, but I think my favorite person out of all of it was Gravity Balmain, just because Gravity was able to do like those. The amazing choreography and handwork. Um, mm. These are all names that I'm just throwing at you. <laughs> I know, I know, and I'm like they sound familiar to me. I remember hearing them, but I also remember being like, "You're saying these names, and I don't know who they belong to because <laughs> I don't know them yet." Yeah, it just moves really, really fast. Um, but I loved it, and I love that that series gave ballroom such a platform. Yeah, you know, and it was it was just good fun for an hour. Mm-hmm. Just clack those so, nails together, yo. Clack my nails. So this is, that. that's one of the comfort watching. Um, yeah. Well, that was during the day. And then at night I would, I uh, was rewatching the original run of Will and Grace, finished all eight seasons of that show. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm currently on um, Royal Pains. Uh, Got it. The USA show with uh, Mark Feierstein and um, uh, Pablo Costanza. Fun fact, Mark What's his name? Mark Feuerstein? I say I, Feuerstein. Feuerstein? There's, an, there's like an F-E-U-R in there somewhere. Sure. Now. That dude is also in the Babysitter's Club series, and he plays Christie's new stepdad. 
Oh, or the no. dude with the dude who's going to marry Christie's mom, who is played by Alicia Silverstone. Oh, that's well, that's awesome. I know. It's like such a fucking delight. I love all of it so much. Anyway, um and he's like a good dude. He's like a good dude stepdad, but Christy, the angry lesbian, she's like, I don't like that. <laughs> like, mom, why does mom need to get remarried? I don't like this guy. It's like, why don't you like him, angry lesbian? Calm it down. Anyway. Who? <laughs> uh, I have so many thoughts on the Babysitter's Club. Um, I have been watching all old seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race. Mm-hmm. I just decided to dial it all the way back. And I started at, like, season two. A while ago, I had watched season one again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the gauze-filtered season. Um, that, like, Lucille Ball <laughs> filter on the camera where they wiped Vaseline on the lens to kind of, like, soften her age lines. Um, so RuPaul's Drag Race season one was like a boo-boo mess, but it really did set the stage for this empire that it's become. And so right. season two on, what's really interesting is that the early seasons of RuPaul were like now this like really interesting study in like in pop culture history, you know, Mm -hmm. if you watch it now, their makeup is raggedy as fuck. They got like so much white eyeliner and like shit just caked on their faces. So like their makeup was not refined yet by any means, you know? Um, There were, like, Raven was an early season, and she's always been a makeup artist, so, like, her makeup was always fucking flawless. But some of those other girls, I was like, oh, whew, we gotta blend those. ready. We gotta blend. And then so many of the early seasons of RuPaul were so racist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, so fucking racist. Like, all of Manila Luzon's, like, Asian stereotype characters. Even, like, Raja appropriating... um, uh, indigenous people's culture and costume. There was so much stuff that was like, ooh, this didn't age well. So much of this was like, oh, that's in poor taste. And really, if you look at like the timeline of things, anything that has come out now, anything like before five years ago, there is an expiration date on it. You know what I mean? So oh, and yeah. prior to five years ago, prior to the times up prior to me too, there's been a cultural shift in like what's appropriate for television and things that are tongue in cheek or were tongue in cheek then are now just really distasteful. Um, RuPaul had like two really bad, like transphobic sounding songs. Yes. Like lady boy. And then the yes. other one that has the T slur that I will not say, but like it was the- just, uh, I, I won't, it's like, yeah, 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 no. but you know what I mean? So it's like, mm-hmm. ah, it's, yeah, no. there's a lot of, a lot of the music early on was really bad. And then, um, at one point there, somebody was, was walking runway and RuPaul made some comment about like immigration coming to get you or something. And I was like, Whoa, that's so wrong. Whoa. Holy shit. So, um, it's been a really interesting kind of study to like, go back to go like from (laughs) there to like, you know, I am American vote.org. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. Everybody say love. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's just been crazy. Um, so that's kind of what I've been watching comfort viewing. Now I have, um, I have access to the wow app 
the World oh, of Wonder World app. Of Wonder app. Oh, the World Are you watching of Wonder? Drag Race Canada? <laughs> I'm watching Canada because I'm fucking here for Brooklyn Heights. And okay, Brooklyn okay. Heights is hosting it. So there are things about Canada Drag Race that are, like, different, i.e. RuPaul is not involved or not mm-hmm. present in the episodes. And so that's mm-hmm. different. Um, but then there's also, like, the UK Drag Race and Drag Race Thailand is on there, too. So I'm interested in kind of seeing those things. So we'll see. I'll keep you posted. It's still comfort viewing for me. Let me know how Jeffrey Boyer Chapman is doing because he, I he's think, he's a okay. judge in the panel. He is. He calls everyone honey too much, which uh, I don't like. I'm like, I never like that. Um, and so it's it's an interesting thing. But we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'm here for it. It's comforting. It's comforting. Um, as far as homework goes. Real quick, you said you watched Yvonne Orgy's special. I've watched it twice so far. So um, good, right? It's very good. Um, I I just love how like you can tell when you can tell when she because when she talks about home, she talks. She also talks about slipping in and out of her Nigerian um, her Nigerian accent, and I'm just like, ah, yes. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just so good. It's she made me like. What's so interesting is that like when she the footage of her back in Lagos. Like, it's, like, I, it looks so familiar to me because I'm, like, this is definitely how I feel sometimes about, like, when the last time when I went back to Guam. Like, it, not that it looks, not because of, it, like, it looks the same, but it's, like, you, you can tell that they were going to the places where only she as a local would go to. So yeah. I was, like, ah, oh, this is beautiful. Very beautiful to, to watch. Plus, I also watched her, um... Her video, she did with Vanity Fair, where she talked about, like, her, um, uh, she did, like, 15 minutes on different Nigerian slang, and yeah, I yeah. was like, ah, uh, that was, it. that was what, I watched that, and then it made me want to watch it a second time, so, yeah. yes, very good. good. Now I may have to watch Insecure, so... I mean, did I or did I not suggest that for you too? Whatever. So this is not truly the like the homework assignment, but you yeah. know, it's yeah. related. It is. Really though, our dear sevens, I just want to update you on this fun fact, and this is very important. This weekend I am holding Josephine's feet to the fire here, and I am making him watch The Princess Bride. We are gonna we're gonna get that done. You don't say you guess. It's got it's so charming. What if I what if I like watch it and I just don't like it? And I wanna talk about it, I wanna hear it, I wanna know your reasoning for it, I wanna analyze it, I want a research paper on it. This is why I we're not like I want you to write a thesis and a full resource. Yes. I need I need references, I need a full research paper, write a thesis and annotate it. Thank you. So all of that's going to go down this weekend. And I'm really curious, though, to, like, see your perspective on this film as a first-time viewer. Because as someone who did not grow up with the film in the way that all of the rest of the world did, I'm interested to see your adult take on the movie. Because I really do think it's, like, fucking timeless. It's a perfect film. So... Okay. So, so this weekend, don't you don't make that face in me. He's like we so doubtful. He's judging me. He's doubtful. I'm going to convert you. We all have our opinions. All right. <laughs> all right. Whatever. We're going to watch it and you're going to love it. 
And there you are. Yeah. Oh, don't think I'm not going to like live stream this shit. Yes. Yes. Okay. Oh, all right, y'all. That was a hefty July. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. Yeah. Well, we have a lot to say when we're busy doing nothing but absorbing content. In the quarantine times. Still in the quarantine times. Still in the hellfire of quarantine times. Yes. Wear your mask, everybody. Wear your mask. Wash your hands. Stay safe. Please do your part to uh, help us flatten this curve because shit is getting bananas out of control in California. Flatten the curve. And around the world. So, uh, y'all, do your part and just stay home. That's all we got for you. Um, but we love you, Sevens, and like and subscribe and tell us your thoughts. And I think all of you have our phone numbers. So, you know, text us things if you want to. And, <laughs> and, if, you, and if we don't know you and you want it, we're not going to give it to you. Thanks. Seriously. I know. Okay, you totally. Cool. Thanks. Um, all right, y'all. We'll see you again next month. And check us out later this month for that episode of uh, Black Art matters. So until then, enjoy your time of the month. Bye. Bye.